Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to be back on the Inside the Eight podcast with Colleen McGarity and our special guest, Tim McCormick. Tim is the head lacrosse coach at Arizona State. And uh, Tim, welcome to the show. Fired up to have you on. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to hand the mic to Colleen. Awesome. I'll start it off. Tim, glad to have you. Let's just chat a little bit about, I'm not going to go into the coronavirus question to start. So we're going to change gears and go with just the culture you started to create at Arizona State. New home for you this year. You've learned a lot over the years at my old home um, and played at UMass. So what are the big takeaways that you've brought to your new culture at Arizona State? What would you say it's like fostered on? I, I think the first thing that I did when I spoke to the team, and this was extremely sincere and, and something that I thought was very valuable, was basically tell everybody that I'm not going to hand them a book. I didn't come in there with pieces of paper and quotes and things. I basically told them we're going to write it together, and it's going to take time, and we're going to kind of develop our, our own philosophy and our own system, culture, if you will, and uh, that's kind of what we did. So. I essentially what I wanted to do by doing that and taking that route was create some ownership in the team. Uh, let them feel like they had a part of this creation and, and weren't just being asked what to do. And, and it really came together pretty nicely. Uh, you know, I think um, people talk a lot about like buy-in and, and I, you know, feel like buying into something it, you, you could do it. We've all done it. But when you have ownership, that's a big difference because you're invested in the thing that you actually created. And we had 43 people create something pretty special over seven months. And uh, it was fun to watch them really take hold of that. I'm John Canaris, founder of Oxia Time, a watch company specializing in university branded watches. Before I fell in love with watches, I fell in love with lacrosse. Maybe you've heard of the air gate. Well, that was me and goal that day. We may not have won the national championship, but we did win the Ivy League that year and two years before. The first time we got a ring that we never wore. The second time we got a watch that while it had great sentimental value, the quality didn't match the significance of our achievements or the memories we created. Ever since then, I've looked for a watch with the design and quality that would live up to my experiences at Penn. After 30 years of looking and not finding what I wanted, I decided to build it myself. At Axia Time, we create Swiss-made automatic watches with stylish designs and quality befitting the universities we represent. Premium watches without the premium price. Check us out at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. That's awesome. And then what would you say are the biggest things after starting to write this book together that you want to continue to like grow for next year or where you were like, all right, this is a struggle. This is going to take time. And what were things that we were like, Oh wow, we're doing really well at this. So we've kind of, we've developed a few values um, over, over the months. Uh, one overarching being control what you can control. Uh, you know, understanding that, you know, some days on our end, when we first get back to school, the weather is not going to be great, but we're not going to worry about that. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to dwell on that. We're going to go and, you know, affect the things that we can. Um, you know, I think referees could fall into controlling things you could control media. There's so many things that you could throw into that bucket and that's going to be number one and probably will always stay number one in our book. Um, next was, putting we over me and, and, you know, making sure that it's team first in all of the decisions that we make and, and um, both positive and negative. Uh, you know, if you're going to go out and get up extra shots, bring a teammate along. If someone's about to make a decision that doesn't align with, with that value, you could grab that individual and tell them, Hey, you know, 
remember you, we got to put the team first here. So that was, that was another, um, you know, thing that kind of came about as we started to do that. And, and I think, you know, with those two kind of being our, our main overarching ones that got us through the fall, uh, that was awesome. We, we kind of revisited when we got back and decided that there was two, two pieces uh, that we wanted to add to this whole puzzle. Um, one was love the game, because I feel like if you have a passion and love for the sport, you, it makes you want to stay out a little bit extra. It makes you want to do, you know, put in the extra time or put in the extra work to get a little bit better, watch extra film. Um, and you have a, a passion to do those things. And then this, this, the last one that we kind of put on there was compete every day. Um, and that's, you could be competing right now. And that's what I told them when we left for this whole thing is that, you know, that, that value doesn't stop because we're not actually on the field. You could compete by getting an edge somehow, right? We just looked at some one-on-ones that Jamie just showed us of him doing stuff in the backyard. Like that, you are getting better You're competing. Maybe it's not against an individual, but it's gaining an edge over your competition. So those were kind of the four things that we really honed in on. And, and I feel like, the, you know, as a team collectively, we did a nice job of really, um, you know, owning those and, and, and promoting them as well as a unit. That's awesome. I mean, I think that speaks a lot. And if girls can love the game when times are tough, then they get better. You know what I mean? And this is a perfect exactly. example of how you're going to love the game when it's not as easily accessible to you. Definitely. <laughs> I know Tim says, uh, I want practice to be the best two hours of the day. And I can tell you from a reliable source, it is a lot of fun. And, and uh, it is a great two hours of the day, the best two hours of the day. Yeah, that's a, that was another thing, you know, I, I think, and that was something I, I 100% learned from my time at Northwestern, um, which, you know, I took with me and, and said, man, you could get so much production when you flip it on there on its head, right? A lot of people, and we've probably, played in some times where we felt like, man, this is a lot. It's becoming somewhat of a job. It, it, it's not, if you could flip that theory and, and actually make it fun and, and make it even more the most fun, it, you just get so much more production out of, out of it. And we definitely saw that. So credit to what I learned over there and, and definitely took that with me. And it's been, it's been awesome. It's been really fun to have that be kind of an underlying piece to what we're doing. So, Tim, um, I know you've taken a ton of what you learned from um, Northwestern, and I want to speak specifically about the offense you guys are running that Northwestern's been running for a few years, and I think that you've kind of taken it. It's very similar, but you kind of made it your own. Um, how would you describe and characterize it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I took a – I took – I did take so much, and and, and – definitely ha you have to put your own spin on it right we don't have the same people that northwestern has northwestern doesn't have the same people that the next school has and so on so i think if you're gonna run something that's similar to a different school everyone steals everyone copies everyone that's how you become great but you got to put your own little spin on it i would say some of the characteristics of it are first and foremost you know, and, and again, this is another thing. I'll just tell you what I told the team. I said, we're probably going to be doing stuff you've been told not to do your entire lacrosse career. It's going to feel a little bit different. It's going to go against your own instincts as a player um, and to go against a lot of the things you've been brought up learning. So bear with it for the first little bit and, and uh, you know, we'll get through that together and I'm sure it will come out on the positive end. And, and we just started by first of all, slowing down, right? So up till this point, I think every kid on our team has been taught speed, 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 you know, big split dodges uh, for down the alley, trying to get by someone, right? And, and I think that there's different ways to create advantages. So that's not to say that, you know, some other team can create their advantage by making a split dodge down the alley, drawing a slide and kicking it. That's excellent. Um, we just don't decide to create our advantage that way. So uh, started with slowing down. Uh, the second thing it started, uh, the next thing was being tight, being a lot tighter than, than teams are normally used to being. So kind of against the theory, you hear coaches on the sideline constantly, get big, get wide, spread out. And, you know, that was another thing we kind of just flipped on its head and said, you know, we're going to be as tight as possible. We're going to kind of 
emulate what you see in box lacrosse and and I mean in women's lacrosse in particular there's only one area you could score from and it's about a five yard box right in front of the crease so if you can't get there then everything you're trying to do is prop you should probably rethink so our, our thought process on that and, and even coming from my time at Northwestern was how do we get there most effectively and um, you know I think I just started with those two traits and then you know built in what what has become the offense and what makes the offense work which is a lot of two-man stuff uh, a lot of working together a lot of passing a lot of give and goes um, and, and truly team lacrosse so um going back to your to your points you know of things that are sort of counterintuitive one is slowing down so if you can tell us first why and how and then the second piece is the whole point of getting big i never kind of understood that either you hear that immensely across them at the end of the day everything that's happening outside the eight is you could say is kind of like noise anyway because you're not going to score unless you're inside the eight the farther you are from the eight the easier the bigger of a cushion they have to be able to pick up a cutter um they're you know if they're going to pressure you and you want to pull them out that's fine um, but but you're not going to get every player on the defense going outside the 12 with you if they have a decent team defense. Totally, totally. Yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'll go back to kind of what you asked on on the why why slow down and what the whole purpose of that is. And at the end of the day, it's to try to create an advantage. I think that I I, I run the offense on three main principles: create an advantage, make a read, and then make a play. And that, that loop continues to cycle no matter where the ball goes. It's those three things constantly. Where's your advantage? Where's your, what's your read? And can you go make a play based on those two things? Um, so the slowdown part of that whole thing is to manipulate your defender. It's, it becomes a little bit easier to do at that type of pace. You can actually stand still and shuffle to your right or we call drift to your right and or drag which is kind of like backpedal in about a two-yard box and by doing that you could do that right on the elbow so that tight to the cage by doing those things you could actually make your defender take a false step um, then you throw a fake in there okay so she gets out of position that manipulates her to get around so that you could get to the cage a little bit easier now let's throw in a two-man action. So you've got these drifts and drag going on. We'll stay down by the elbow. you got a pick set ready, uh, ready for you. Uh, now you just bring two to the ball, and that's where we say we create our advantage, by bringing two to the ball. So you got two people on the ball. That means that defenses, as we know, have to communicate. They have to talk to each other. They have to be in sync, and they have to do that stuff perfectly. Otherwise, guess what? you got to step on them. And – go back to the principle of being tight. If you get a step on someone and you're two feet away from getting a good shot off, you're going to score a lot. So um, those are kind of some, I hope that kind of answers the question a bit. Yeah, it's great. I want to go off of that. So you've talked a lot about like taking advantage and slowing down with the ball and a little bit off ball when you're working the two man game. What about really off ball? Like the, you know, in your offense, the other side of the eight or the girls behind when it's on the wing. What is your main concepts with them? Are they mirroring? Are they cutting? Are they doing two man as well off ball? So that's that's a great point. And and I've drawn a lot from, you know, learned a lot from people like Jamie and drawn a lot from just watching a lot of of box and 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 what I again will go back to what I learned at Northwestern and, and those concepts. And I think there's a few different things that you could do over there that'll all be pretty effective. Um, the first is just occupy your defender. Keep them over there so that and make them actually play you to, to open up that two-man game. Now, there's a few different ways to do that. One is a simple cut and cycle. So if you, you know, if you're on the opposite side and you just cut your girl hard towards the middle of the of the field and then kind of get her back out of there, staying on on your side, you, you're you're making her play you because if she decides to turn her head. You're actually going to be open and viable option. They'll feed you and you'll score. Um, if they cover you, now you've just created some space for that two-man action that we discussed to get over or get under and, and get a good-looking shot off. 
Um, so that's kind of one way. The other way is what I've seen a ton of uh, box teams doing now, which is just kind of seals and little pin downs off ball where you, instead of actually cutting and cycling, which could bring a defender into the lane for a second, you just kind of stay way out on your side, but try to work little seal your own man stuff. Um, you know, little pick the picker actions with, um, you know, some two man games, off ball, two man games, which we looked a lot into and, and, you know, explored that whole th slowdown theory on that, on that side as well. But I I'd say basic principle is if you could occupy over there really well, and then occasionally get open off of that occupation, that, that frees up a lot. The idea that when you bring another defender to the ball has been a little bit of a, hey, let's not do that. But, but it also, if you can take advantage of that, you've just subtracted a defender from the help. So I kind of look, look at it as addition by subtraction. Um, because now if they're going to slide a third player to your two-man game, there's a lot more space on the backside. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think I think that's that's a great way to look at it. Um, you know, so you're just talking about trying to create advantages, and and you know, you just mentioned okay, so now you've just isolated a two man game on each side. You end up getting that step over, so now you just took two people out of the mix right there. Um, so what's the next step? Uh, the defense probably takes someone and, and slides heavily from the other side, and these are these are scenarios that you got to be. Um, you know, willing to, you know, put in in practice. These are, these are little things that in, encourage decision-making, which is something that we do. And every single drill we have, there's some decision to be made. Uh, this is a perfect example of that. So now you got a slider coming. That, that kind of starts that loop over, okay? So your advantage is already created for you, okay? The advantage read play loop right your advantage is already created for you because someone's coming at you which means that somebody else is open so your read is where is that open player and then your play is how do i get the ball to that open player and then you let them make their advantage read play their their advantage could be made for them too and their read could be shoot and their play could be stick stick it you know so i think that you're just in that constant mode of you know where where is the advantage what does it look like what's the read that I have to make and what's the decision that I have to make and then what is ultimately the play that I have to make. So I think, you know, just kind of having those things kind of churning in your mind. And then with all of this being said, I think probably the, the biggest piece that I haven't really touched on is incur is okay with making mistakes. There's there mistakes are going to happen. And if you discourage them, if you put your head down, if you throw your palms up in the air, yell, then you just tighten everything up a little bit. And so I think, you know, understanding that when mistakes do happen, they're going to, you got it. You got to kind of be okay with them because if they're not able to make those decisions, they're not able to make those reads you're telling them to make and make those plays that you're encouraging them to make, then none of this stuff is really going to be very successful. So uh, I think that that's a big part of that as well. And people, you need to see ASU highlights. They are off the charts. I, I went to a game. I can't remember which game it was. It was like Marquette. 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 It seems like it was like, you know, eons ago. But, but <laughs> like, literally the plays that these kids are making are so fun to watch and they're so creative. Um, it's sick and you're only just getting started. So people should – We are – yeah, we are we, – yeah, for sure. For sure. We – we are working on, first of all, putting some of that stuff together on like Instagram packages and, and on our highlight section. Um, so you, you will be able to see some of that stuff because that is who we're going to be. I want, I want people to see that and understand this is the style. It's a really fun way to play the game. Uh, there, is, there is no handcuffs being placed on people. We let playmakers make plays. We let playmakers make decisions. We let everybody make decisions, not just playmakers. So um, there's a lot of things that go into that, you know, and, and it's constant, it's constant assessment of yourself as a coach. Um, you know, it's constant assessment of the drills that you're implementing and, and how you're implementing them and why, and 
are there enough decisions in them? And, and, you know, I'll talk to one of those. So we, we, we began this, this fall in August with um, a keep away drill that was amazing for our progression of skill. Um, and, and it's, I, I'm sure you've probably talked about it on this podcast because I got it from you, Jamie, but, but I'll kind of just go through it a little bit. It's a three on two little game where you got three offensive players, two defensive players. And if you think about like a soccer keep away type deal where you're staying inside the box, controlling the ball and the defense is sliding into the ball appropriately. Um, and then you could just create skills that you want to see off of that. So you could throw in, okay, everything's got to be either a backhand or a backhand fake behind the back or behind the back fake. So now instead of your old stationary or line drill skill stuff, you're actually making decisions in live time with defense on you. defense also on their end gets a ton of great approach reps. So they're staying low. They're getting to the hip. They're, they're not lifting themselves up on fakes. They're staying grounded, you know, so just scaling reps uh, like crazy in that drill. So we, we went through an entire fall of doing that and it was incredible. And it probably, I mean, we couldn't have developed the skills as quickly as we did without it. Um, and then from there, we decided after the fall that as a staff, I kind of sat down and threw up every single drill we did. Every single one went up on the board and we dissected it. What was great about it? What could, it, what could we add to it to make it better? What, uh, what are some takes? Should we take anything away and make it simpler or easier? Uh, and, and keep away came up. And we wanted to keep keep away, but we also wanted to kind of have an evolution to it as well. So we decided uh, we came up with a little game we call three square. Um, and basically it's the same premises, except now it's all even in the boxes. So it's uh, two on two. Uh, with an extra feeder on the outside for the offense in case they get jammed up. And they are just playing out of two-man games. And, again, we're giving them different different little directions. We may say, okay, um, you know, if you get underneath on a pick, that's worth two today. If you get over – you know, depending upon what we want to value. If you hit uh, behind the back, it's worth two um, and so on. So those are different ways to kind of value it. And, um, yeah, I mean, just – promoting in those settings all the skills and all the quote-unquote highlights that that you see uh was was really really important and then i also think it comes down to uh phrasing too right i i told them the first day i said guys just want to be very clear with everybody and this was in august august 22nd i want to be very clear with everybody on the scene not just attackmen not just midfielders defenders and goalies as well a behind the back is a fundamental here. It is not a trick. It's not, um, it's not anything flashy. It's not faint. It is a fundamental skill that we need in order to be successful. A backhand pass is not flashy. It's not the same thing. It is a fundamental and we need it in our arsenal to be successful. So I think when you combine the phrasing of things, when you combine the drills that kind of encourage those things to happen and then you throw it on top the fact that we didn't we didn't you know crush kids when they did throw one and maybe got saved or shot it high or, or passed it wide we allowed that mistake to happen um i think that's kind of what what you see and that's the freedom you see the group playing with that's great i think that i was actually gonna ask a little bit ago when you were talking about reading the play your concept or your philosophy on making that just normal allows them to have so many more different options to how to make the play. So Perfect. people that don't have those type of fundamentals are like, the only way I can get it there is if I run really hard with my right hand and go through the stick, where if you, you know, you're creating this repertoire for your players that they're figuring out how to make the play. You know, it might be I need to hit one more pass to get it there to that person, but it's really cool to see that I'm sure you enjoy watching them make different reads on the exact same play every other day or every day. 100%. 100%. You said that perfectly well. Um, You could have an exact situation happen defensively, but a different read every single day, and that's everything right there. 
because there's not one way to do it. There's not, it's not paint by numbers. Something's different's going to happen every time. And you're spot on, spot on. That's awesome. I want to move to defense unless Jamie, you have any more offensive questions right now? Nope. I want to hear you guys talk a little defense. Tim was a defensive coordinator. Yeah. And, and I love defense. Colleen was an all American and won three championships with unbelievable defense. So get it on. I can't wait. Yeah, just want to hear your thoughts, Tim. What are you doing now with your girls? Zone, man-to-man. What are your so – we, Yeah, we began this fall with man-to-man concepts, and we ran, we ran man-to-man throughout the whole fall. We decided that um, those principles and good man-to-man defense will carry over to a zone. We kind of always had the feeling that we were going to be a zone team. Um, I brought Dorian Van Dyke on staff. Uh, she played at Stony Brook, so played in one, on one of the best zones out there. Um, and, and we had tons of discussions kind of leading up to how we're going to build this thing in. And uh, we both decided that let's start with our basic man-to-man principles, which were dis- basically just being extremely disciplined, controlled, and, and knowing your angles. So we wanted people – we wanted to know where – good shots for us were. I told, I told the team and we had a discussion early on that um, I don't, I really don't care if we face 60 shots a game. If, if we know where they're coming from and we know that our goalie is going to save them at a higher rate uh, let's, let's do it. You know? So we decided that those are alley runners for us um, and just kind of, ha- you know, what angles do you have to take to get there? Not, not exploding up on fakes, uh, sitting nice and low, um, you know, driving, keeping constant pressure on the hip on the alley dodges, driving it outside the arm and, and, uh, and the elbows, you know, and, and again, ultimately getting, getting the shots that we want. So that's kind of where we started. Um, built that up into, you know, this spring when we got back in January, which was, okay, now how do we take these principles and, and dive into our zone, right? So, First thing what that did for us is it gave us an, a very viable option that if we ever did need to go man, we were extremely ready because we did an entire fall of it. They knew it like the back of their hands. They were ready to jump in and out of whatever we wanted to. Um, and then we just began with kind of layering some some ter- terminology on the zone and, you know, what we're going to call different things and, you know, what, what style we're going to do, which was essentially what we kind of copied from Stony Brook having Dorian, um, you know, that two, two, two. So it's two top girls, two elbow girls, two low girls, and um, a kind of hybrid Rover backer player that, that those guys at Stony Brook did incredibly well. And, and we, we were actually just getting the, the hang of, uh, took us a, took us a couple games to, to get there, but we were just really starting to get the hang of it when this whole thing went down. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, so it, it was a lot of fun and, and we built that thing out from, from the beginning of the season and rolled in, I mean, three weeks and, and were able to play it pretty successfully. And with this zone, I know Stony Brooks is pretty, they pressure pretty far out. They have a lot of pressure. Are you guys similar, same type of pressure all out, a little bit more? We... Yeah, it's, that's a great question. And, 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 and if you watch, we, we probably, if you go back and rewatch, you probably say, wait, that doesn't look like we, we didn't pressure. We, we wanted more pressure. We wanted more pressure than we actually got. Um, but as I said, we were getting there. We were, right. we were right on the cusp of actually turning that corner. And it was all about the pressure points, to be honest with you, when I was talking about that before. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it, it was right there. We we wanted the pressure heavy on ball. So the the kind of basic principles were, you know, if the balls uh, your balls in your zone, on ball principle is pressure the ball in your zone. Um, if there were two players inside furthest away from that would be what we called all in. So they'd be all up on the on the uh, girl helping up in the middle. If we had enough pressure on the ball from the zone player, we were able to to actually back the ball, which is kind of a concept that that Stony Brook runs, uh, as opposed to just sitting that girl inside. 
they popped that the rover hybrid player out into like a backing area which we were able to get with the proper pressure mm-hmm. and then the two adjacent zone players were also uh, able to kind of back the ball uh you know and i just I think off ball for me, I use the terminology of make them cut through you. So instead of kind of giving straight lines to the middle, we all know where people want to cut. Instead of giving those straight lines, make them actually have to bump, either you bump them or they have to go through you and around. You take an extra two seconds. Now now your your rovers or your all-in players are able to get there. That's great. Yeah, I think the Pressure is the hardest part. And like, like you said, you probably were just clicking or just getting there until they have that belief in each other. Like, oh, I, I can get beat or I can go all the way out there because my teammates have my back. It's the hardest thing to click. I think when we used to play zone back at Northwestern, when we used to have that red a while ago, it started out like low. And then by May, we were like running 10 yards. Around. Yeah. Totally. And I saw that there. I would watch those old games and I would watch that progression. And without a doubt, I mean, you, you I, I agree with you. I, whole, right. I mean, you've played in that system and, and you've coached that type of system. And, and it is, that is the hardest thing. And that, that was exactly what we were kind of, I don't want to say was our biggest shortcoming, but like kind it kind of was, we, we just needed a little bit more pressure. And I completely agree that that comes from some trust that comes from, some communication. Whereas like, okay, if we look back, okay, we, we go zone right away in August, we might be able to play that thing successfully, but we have no plan B. Right. <laughs> Zero plan B. So that was kind of a whole piece to it where we were like, all right, this is, this will be the layer that we go. And, and now that we've played it, I mean, we played eight games in that we got a lot of experience and we have pretty much every, pretty much everyone coming back. We were kind of in a unique scenario here where, um, the club team transitioned. So we're only losing two players from this season. Uh, and we're getting a whole new uh, freshman class, you know, so those guys will have to learn a little bit. But the, the people who, who were here with us played eight legitimate games. And that fall ball, these were legitimate games. So it's almost kind of like a bonus um, segment of, in a way. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, as a defender, like, you don't want to get beat. That's your job is to stop someone. So I mean, obviously, hopefully they never get beat. You can play all that pressure and the backers not even used and you can make a turnover. But just to have that, you know, mental capacity, like, all right, I'm going to go all the way out there and I'm going to get the back check if I do get beat, you know, having that. Totally. Be fearless. Get out there. Push out. Don't let them see the Don't let them see the backside. Don't let them see the middle. You know, and it, 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 anytime you, you – and I've done this. I'm not going to say I haven't. I've done it where I've kind of – I don't want to say shelled up, but tightened it up. And I've, I've done that, you know, in the past and it, that has its own successes and that's great. Sure. Yeah. But it, it's just different. It's just different. I felt we, we all kind of talked in the beginning of the year and just felt like speeding teams up, taking them out of some rhythm, cre- call, you know, creating some plays, being able to come up with some, some good plays. We're, we're all in our favor and yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's a lot of trust and, and it's, it's different. You're right. I mean, go out and play them and be fearless. Exactly. It's fun to play in though once you get going. It is. It is. and that's it's sad because we were we were right right there with it and they were like kind of just looking around like, okay, you know that look that you get in your yeah. eyes. It's like, all right, let's go. You know, time time to go. And that's where we were. So um we'll we'll resume right there, hopefully, and and uh be ready to rock and roll. Awesome. When, when you're um, working on your zone, um, what, what offenses do you play against yourself to give yourself a look? And how does your offense work against zone? So we, when, we are pre- when we're preparing, I, I don't – so when we're just going out there and preparing for the general population, we'll say – we go and we play in a lot of four high or three high, what I call speed offense, which is kind of, you know, alley dodge, clear through, carry, you know, turn, jam the ball back, dodge the opposite sides. And then with that, we have kind of a segment where we will work on um, three behind. That's like another really popular look against zone. So you'll go two on the goal line extended one at X 
and I kind of mirror that up top. So I'll go three behind like that in that shape triangle and then three up top in, in the same triangle shape but upwards and one in the middle. And that's all about carry throwbacks. So it's carry throwbacks. You could slash cut from the high opposite curl. You could cut through on the elbow. You could do double cuts off of that. So that's kind of what we're playing against when we're preparing uh, our zone to play against opponents. Um, those are probably the two most popular styles of offense that we play against in our zone. Um, and then the second portion of the question, our offense against the zone is, is tremendous. I mean, then that's part of the beauty of, of what we're doing is that you don't have to change it. Uh, it's actually almost better. It's actually almost better. I have to say that uh, it creates a ton of little windows. You're almost, you're almost taking the principles of the zone and really, really dissecting those things that make it a little bit weak, right? So the principles of the zone say, okay, if the ball is carried from my zone to your zone, I'm going to pass you off. So that pass off point actually creates a tremendous little seam for the picker to get through. Whether you throw the ball as the ball handler or you throw it to a teammate who then throws that ball, that player is pretty open just because of what the zone principles say. You know, and then there's a whole nother layer where, you know, these teams that run the rovers, uh, well, look at us, right? So we're running that rover. If, if you can take the rover out of the back, backer scenario and actually make her cover your backside action, which is your hard cut and cycles, you know, again, you're just freeing up more space and area and you're playing on zone principles because we know that they're taught pass off at this point gives you a perfect lane to slip a ball into uh, someone who gets through the middle there. So there's a little bit of a difference between when the backer is over there playing the ball side than when, when you can occupy the backer with a backside cut the middle of something. Hundred percent, and 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 the thing is, though, as you know, both present great opportunities. It's not if they if they decide to put the backer on the ball side. Now what? All right. So what's your advantage? You got three on you, right? So and this is something that we talked about a little bit, Jamie, in the fall, and I actually did this, where okay, you got three looking at you. Just stand there. <laughs> Basically, just keep the three guys on you. Slow it down and bang it right from there and you got a four on four on three three on two or two on one even on the other side at some somewhere um you know so that was kind of an option that we looked at and we kind of exploited a bit too against ourselves you know because i want to know for us when we do play against a system that's like ours how are we going to defend it you know and, and so we fooled around with a lot of different things like that love it colleen you got any other questions um, no, we covered a lot of topics. Uh, I guess my last question is like, how's the draw been going for you guys? Are you, do you have a draw girl? You've been working on that stuff kind of like Kelly used to at Northwestern. What is your approach to that whole part of the game? Yeah, it's, I mean, we, we were on the short end of that stat a lot and it, it's tough. It, it, it's really such a crucial part of the game and, and um, we do, we have a draw unit. We, so we look at kind of it as a three man, a three, a three person uh, unit as opposed to just an individual, um, you know, but, but with that, yeah, we do do, in, we take a ton of time to do individual work with our draw takers. Uh, we, we try to do as much work at the same time with our draw circles. Every single pre-practice, those guys are out there for 15 minutes plus doing 50-50 balls, different looks. We have certain drills that specifically work uh, our draw ability as a three-person unit um, with just reactions. I think that that's a big part of the circle is, is not just kind of moving. It's where's that ball going and kind of being a step ahead of it. So those are things... Uh, we started to have a couple. What are some specific drills you do to help with that? That's so, the toughest thing for high school girls. I feel like they react and they don't anticipate. They take a second and they take the, the long way to the ball. Exactly, exactly. And we saw we saw a lot of that. So so we we start off with just simple stuff that I'm sure you guys have seen and and even done, but. We just go two one-on-one uh, -on, -one on either side of the circle, coach in the middle, um, and we will 
blow a whistle. So we'll let them react and give them their second or two to react. And then we'll pop the ball to the left, to the right, or deep, or even short sometimes and let them play it out. So they're getting, you know, a hundred different looks right there. And it's one-on-one. So you could kind of scale your reps really quickly. And that's why we decided to go with the unit as well, because we felt like if we had 40 girls going through a line like that, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't be enough. So we decided to go with like six and that really helped us kind of scale reps on that. And then um, another drill that we do is we do a two on two drill that becomes a, a, a transition drill. So you go, you go two on two on the circle. Uh, you could place those guys wherever you think, um, you know, fits, whether you're preparing for a team or whether your draw taker pushes it in a certain area. And then the coach will flip it into a certain direction. So the coach will flip it anywhere off, off the whistle and they have to do the same thing. They have to react, not take the long way, figure out the short way um, and then value that too. So in that transition drill, it starts with the point system is one for the draw. You get a, you get a draw, it's one, and then everything else goes beyond that. It's uh, you know, you, you actually get a point for a high quality shot in that you get a point, you get two points for a goal in that defense gets two points for a ground ball you know so that's just a larger scale of that drill but it starts with the draw and it starts with a two-on-two just like you would on a circle and a reactionary movement based off the whistle uh whoever gets that ball actually gets an additional player to come onto the field so now you got a seven on six attack in the offensive goal and it promotes heads up so ground ball off the draw, instead of having your head down, looking at your stick, you get your head up, who's open, and let's move it to that player and try to see if we have some numbers beyond that. That's a great one. I, I love that one. I felt like adding the point system for a point for a draw was huge on that. Um, and there's a, th- a lot of things you could do. I mean, you could, you could add a point system for a first-time ground ball on that. So maybe on the, if you get it on the first time, you get two to promote that or – different things that you know each coach has in their thing of you know this is what I want out of it just kind of add a point system to value those things that's great yeah my high school team we don't have like a specific go-to self-drawer so it's going to come down to 50-50 balls so like you know we have to win the 50-50 ball we have to disrupt whoever we're going against and just having them try and get there the shortest way we're scrappy and we're athletic so I remember you saying that I heard you say that a couple weeks ago on this and and I was I was listening intently and thinking the same thing. So that's kind of where we were at a bit, you know. It's right. like we gotta be great in that three in that three on three battle, really. Totally. Yeah, I mean it's huge. And sometimes they like box out too long. Yeah. They get the ball. Yep. Or they go around someone. I'm like, why don't you just cut in front of them? So just figuring out like helping them read the ball. It's such an athletic thing. So mm-hmm. it's like hard to there's not like a specific like offense, go here, go there, defense. Like it's so based on athleticism. So I'm it like, is. I don't know. It's, like it's very innate. Yeah. Uh, I think it can be developed. It can be worked on, but it, you're right though. Like it, it's more about finding the people who do that best. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, person's super quick to like just react. Like, you know, exactly. I just put a basketball girl now taking yes. the ball. So hopefully she can just disrupt on someone because she's big and strong and then my scrappy athletic fast kids can be on the circle. Go get it. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Very, very I'm I'm on the same page with personnel driven all the way. Find the three or four to six people that you know yeah. are gonna be able to do those things that you just mentioned and, and go with them. That's great. Yeah, I mean, but lucky for you, you have shot clocks now. We just talked to Alex Frank last week where I mean you could lose every single draw of the game and still win the game. You know, like Colorado last year, I think they lost like literally 19 to one in draws against Dartmouth and they ended up still winning the game. Unreal. Um, But coming from Northwestern and there's so much, we used to always say like, just, you know, draws just everything before shot clock came really big into play, but it still makes a huge impact. It does. It does. All right. Last topic, recruiting. Um, How's recruiting going for you? I mean, it's a pretty uh, sick place to go to school. Um, sounds awesome as far as the way you're coaching the kids. Um, can you talk about what you're looking for and how it's going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's going great. You're absolutely right. People that we have had out here have absolutely loved their experience. Uh, it, it is a, it's an awesome place. You've been out here yourself, so you've had a chance to see it, but 
just the vibe of the school is is incredible. The athletic department, the direction that we're going in is is awesome. A um, lot of big time things happening. Uh, you know, the the investment that they're putting in us and our sport in particular, getting us on the field, and um, you know, it, it's just been unreal on all those things and we're really excited to have that support and backing from our administration um as far as kind of what we're looking for i think it you know it, it definitely varies there are some characteristics that i think will always be there and uh you know i think the first one that we try to find is people who love the sport you know if you love the sport truly love the sport uh and want actually want to be out there extra want to watch some extra film or just watch games on your own right you're, you're someone who just throws a game on on a Saturday or a Friday night and uh, you know enjoys watching it that that's something like those are things that's an easy thing that uh, you know we could find out and, and look for you uh, and see that stuff you know and that's important to us again it's our values um, you know we're looking for people who who focus on things that they could that they could control again I mean go back to our values and that's kind of what we recruit on is and I mentioned them in the beginning but you know are you someone who's kind of throwing your palms up at, at refs or are you someone who's putting your head down and riding you know that's an easy easy thing that we uh that we could see from a feel from talking to coaches and doing our due diligence so that's that's a that's something um we're constantly looking at um you know do you put the team first in the decisions that you make you know and that's usually a coach conversation you know and asking the right questions figuring out if if you know that that is true to you and and you're making those decisions to to put your team at, at at in the best light and that's again i mean we could see that on instagram that's you know today we could do we could do a little recruiting on that you know so we we could see that stuff right there as well and we could we could also see on a positive angle the love of the game on instagram too um you know people who have sticks in their hands people who take videos of that stuff and post stories and that's that's awesome that's like incredible stuff for us, for sure. Uh, you know, and the last part, again, back to the values is, do you compete every day? You know, uh, if I show up to an 8 a.m. game, because we're all there, uh, and it's raining and it's the second weekend in November, are you, are you, you know, out there with your hood on and a sweatshirt or, or, or are you competing and uh, look like it's 70 and sunny? You know, and, and those are those are kind of the main overarching values that we're looking at in individuals. We find that by obviously being on the sideline. We find it by talking to coaches, watching video, um, all of those different Instagram, all of those different things. You know, and then player personnel wise, I think it just varies so much from year to year. Obviously, I, I love skill. Uh, I love IQ. I think I think both could be learned and taught. So it's not. um end all be all on my side in um, my side of things but it definitely helps and then just your overarching athleticism and and just general um speed and stuff but you know what you, you also can't win with one type of person so we're very cognizant of that and we're very conscious when we build out a roster that we kind of fit everything that we need for ourselves to be successfully from a tactical standpoint as well awesome any advice like during this time period, you guys are in a dead period now, right? Correct. For what the 21s that are still not committed and like what 22s should be doing in this time? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think again, it goes kind of goes back to the control, the controllables, uh, you know, just hone in on the things you can, hone in on the skills. We talked about it a little bit before, but Jamie's got his, his uh, kids out in the yard playing and, you know, just, developing fun little games to to enhance your skills to make decisions to to get better and to just get back to enjoying the game too i think i think we have a period that we have a chance to to really reflect and and ask ourselves why why do we love this game what, what brought us to 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 loving this game and um, you know, let the rest take care of itself, you know, watch, watch some college lacrosse games. They have all those games, um, you know, uh, stocked up on ESPN. If you have the big 10 network, those games are there for you to be able to watch that stuff. Pac 12, you know, you could, you could catch some of ours, you know, so those, 
go out and check those out, sit at a, at a TV and, and, you know, watch those and see, you know, what you could get from those as well. I think that that's important. And then if you can stay in touch with coaches, we're going through a lot on our end right now. So it's, you know, we're just, I mean, we're managing everything from a distance. So, right. you know, we do have a lot going on, but that's not to say that, you know, if you want to stay relevant and you feel like you, you got to send an email over it, that we won't see it, we will. Uh, just understand from our end, we, we do have a lot going on and we're trying to manage a ton from, from distances. So I would focus on the things that those individuals have the complete control over and do those things really, really well. Yeah, I think you made some great points. I'm doing that currently with my high school team. I made up like a two-week COVID-19 training plan. We meet every day at 3.30. That's awesome. And everyone's like, how's it going? I'm like, honestly, it's been not bad because you're making the best of it. Like, I made them a workout plan. They have competitions in between their groups and they're all doing the workouts. I've never seen them enjoy running this much. You know, my girl, Haley, my goalie, <laughs> yeah. 300s today. She like, me. She was like, I hate running, but I've never felt so good. I'm like, this is great. Like, you know, so That's awesome. little That's things. And then on our virtual meetings at three 30, we're doing like, why do you love the game? Like, who do you, what is something about you that we don't know? What's something that motivates you and, just so we can help each other stay accountable. Um, Amazing. It's going to be easy for the first couple of days and the next week's going to be hard when we're still right. doing, this, you know, right. so if you go back to this. Can we help each other out? You brought, said that thing about like, can make it a we. So like if someone's going to go shoot, maybe bring someone with you, like totally. not 10 people that'd be illegal, <laughs> but maybe two to three. Totally. totally. <laughs> yeah. Those are the things that, those are the things I'm, I agree. I think that's so cool that you're doing that. I saw that. I don't know if you posted that on Instagram or something. I saw that yeah. the other day and it was like, that's really cool. So yeah, the, these are all ways that I think athletes, coaches and, and the like have a chance to be, to be efficient in this time. For sure. It's a little bit tougher. I mean, it's with Hannah, like we at least still have hope we might have a season. It's so different for you guys. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. It's done. Now we just got to move on. How do we get better for next year? Totally. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's uncharted territory for sure. And just figuring new things out every day, hour by hour, really, and, and trying to, you know, continue to change the way that we're doing things and, you know, where, wherever it takes us, we're going to go. And again, just control what we can through it. It's great. Yeah. Control what you can control is so smart. Um, and there's going to be a lot of kids that are putting time into their games on their own shooting or wall ball or bounce back and footwork and lifting and running. And that's all great. Um, I just want to say to everybody out there that you need to do that and you got the time, but yeah. you're really going to be able to move the needle if you learn how to do stuff with and against other human beings, because that the feel that you get from doing a one-on-one -on -one against somebody where today we're going to do a little finishing on dad. So I got a nice <laughs> three and a half by three and a half net and a goalie stick. And, uh, and I'm going to try to shut them out and they're going to try to finish and they're going to work on stuff. Um, and, um, and if you got, you know, enough kids in your family where you can get a little uh, two on two game, maybe get, I'm trying to get my wife to hop in the net. Refusing <laughs> at this point in time, but there's going to be pressure. You need to get some content of that. That's a good amount. Um, but, but the point is two on two with a goalie in the net, you can move the needle on the two man game stuff. And, and honestly, like it's, it's, we can make the best of this. This is what I tell the athletes that I work with. Um, unfortunately, I'm not even allowed to have any co contact with my Colorado girls at all. Like literally not allowed to have any contact with them. So wow. they do have our, you know, the JM three, uh, academies. So hopefully they're doing some stuff on their own, but, um, beyond yeah. that, um, Tim, thank you so much for coming on. Um, always so awesome to listen to your thoughtfulness and your enthusiasm. Um, and uh, good luck during the course of all this. And we really appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. It's been a lot of fun.